0: Hello, Marvel Lights! You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 615. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M.
1: And I am Angelique Crochet. What up, Ryan Panagos? What
0: up? Um, it's not deathly hot in August here in New York City, and I'm okay with it. All right, rub it in.
1: Yeah! Uh, anyway, this is the official Marvel podcast where you get to talk about all of the things happening this week in Marvel. That's right, We are here to talk games, comics, books, toys, movies, TV, or honestly, whatever we're excited about. And, you know, whatever you're excited about this week happening in Marvel. And Ryan Panagos. yet once Mm -hmm. again, we have a gift for the listeners.
0: Yeah, Marvel Insider Code later on in the episode. You go there, you get your points. We have a lot of stuff. We have a great guest this week. We're talking to Erica Schultz about her work on Hollow's Eve. The upcoming What If Dark Moon Knight comic that's coming out and the upcoming Daredevil Gang War limited series that she's doing. You're going to hear from her in a bit.
1: Oh, I can't wait. It was such a good conversation, and I'm really excited about Daredevil Gang War uh, and where this is going, Mm. and it's just, oh, it's going to be so good. Uh, On top of that, uh, we've got some big news coming up before we get to the interview, and we're kicking it off this week. Uh, Some big, big, big congratulations and news for Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel. They won a TCA Award for Outstanding Achievement in Family Programming, and honestly, Yes. Yeah. All the feels. Love the show. So, 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 so much. Uh, if you're following our socials or checking out Marvel.com, I'm sure you saw that. Um, for those who don't know, like, uh, earlier this week, the Television Critics Association, the TCA, announced that Marvel Studios Miss Marvel won the TCA Award for 2023 for Outstanding Achievement in Family Programming, which means a lot. And I think, you know, it says a lot about how much people love this show, right? Uh, for those yeah. who, who watched it, you know, but for folks who need to go watch it, uh, season one of the series introduces Kamala Khan to the MCU and gives an incredible look at her life, her family, her backstory, as she tries to navigate school life and her newfound superpowers because what else would a teenage superhero be doing? All along... Uh, in jersey city and some other places around the world also Mm -hmm. um if you haven't had a chance to see the series all episodes available streaming now on disney plus you can go like see like right now after you listen to the show obviously and if you're looking for more ms marvel check out kamala alongside her idol the one the only carol danvers aka captain marvel and my girl monica (laughs) rambeau In Marvel Studios, the Marvels coming to theaters November 11th, just in time for my birthday.
0: Let's talk about the new season of Marvel Snap, which is called Big in Japan. Uh, You can go to Marvel.com, see the article, you look in the game to see all the details. There is a wild video that the team from Marvel Snap put together for this season. It's got... um, Old school uh, kaiju movie vibes in it. With I was like,
1: am I watching a trailer for it a was movie right now?
0: Bonkers. Very ridiculous. A lot of fun, but let's get into it because the new season character is. Dokken. Um There's going to be a whole bunch of characters in here. There's um, a whole bunch of stuff in there. Um, the season pass card that you get every season that uh, starts up has one card that you you get, and then there are new cards released. The card that everybody gets who takes the season pass is Dakin. Is Dokken? I've always said Dokken, but they say Dakin in the video, and I was like...
1: Uh, I always said Daken.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, Rockin' like Dokken. But let's get into <laughs> the Dokken card. Is a Three cost, four power card, but on reveal, he adds the Miramasa shards to his hand. Miramasa is the, the mythical blade. It could basically kill Wolverine or or folks like Wolverine, um, do some nasty stuff. Daken had taken some shards, put them on his claws. Ah, big nasty boy. But he does the on reveal, gets the shard in his hand. When that shard card is discarded or destroyed, it doubles Daken's power. So he goes from 4 to 8. And in the video, they show like, oh, you could use Moon Girl, You could do this and like, just sort of like turn Daken into this crazy powerhouse, which is really really cool. Um, on top of that, we got a bunch of new cards that'll be releasing throughout the season. X-23, finally. She's uh, coming in there. Yeah, baby. One cost two power. When X-23 card is discarded or destroyed, it regenerates at a random location and you get plus one energy next turn. So it's Kind of like the Wolverine card, but not. It's a little bit different. So that's pretty cool. Then Silver Samurai, four cost, five power. On reveal, each player discards the lowest power card from their hand. So you could have Silver Samurai, but maybe you're also playing one of those Miramasa shards. You start doing all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, and then finally, the last new card of the season is Lady Deathstrike. Yes. Five, cost, yeah, five cost, three power. On reveal, destroy each card here with less power than this so if you just got like some stuff in there uh on whatever you know um location you're at you go slicing up some stuff so that's pretty cool also new locations coming this week two of them here first one is Yoshida base uh which at the end of the game destroy the last card to get here which is a really interesting strategic move wow Um, There's different ways that that could work out so i'm excited to see that one the next one is going to be the wild one valley of the hand after turn five your destroyed cards revive here so you could end up destroying a bunch of cards and leave that empty and then at the end pop 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 you've just added a whole bunch of cards to that location that one's going to be interesting wow um there's also coming this season 40 new variants including mech variants artist variants like um dan hip scotty young i saw in there and many more there's a uh, stagron kaiju variant coming and and tons more and then uh they did put a note in there that this year there's kind of like i guess now the biggest video game conference in the world is gamescom that happens every year in cologne germany Marvel Snap is gonna be there. They're gonna have some cool stuff in store. They want you to come by and say hi. If we got anybody who's going to Gamescom, go tell them we sent you.
1: Let's get down to business. Um, I am excited because my girl, Monica Rambeau, Mm. AKA Superhero, so many names, uh, and Vox are gonna be hitting Marvel Contest of Champions. That's right. She's finally coming. We've been talking about this uh, as suggestions for years, but Monica Rambeau is coming to Contest of Champions, and I could not be more stoked. She's an awesome character. I'm happy to see her get more shine, and I'm happy for folks to know a lot more of her. Also, uh, for those who aren't uh, Monica Stans, how dare you? The Vox, uh, they are superhuman, super inhumans, built by the Creed to send one message to the inhumans of Earth join or die. Uh, each fox is reconstructed out of a brainwashed human and possesses a deadly collection of their combined abilities.
0: Yeah, good stuff. Spider-Man Reign 2 is coming and it's teased in Amazing Spider-Man number 31, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Pick up Amazing Spider-Man number 31 today for a preview of Kari Andrews' Spider-Man Reign 2 coming in 2024. It has got gnarliest Kingpin you're ever going to see.
1: Oh, I love me Kingpin.
0: Yeah. He's a big boy.
1: All right. um, Spider-Woman is ongoing.
0: Yeah, this is super cool. We announced that uh, we're getting a brand new Spider-Woman series coming this, uh, this year that was announced at Comic-Con. It's going to be written by Steve Fox. Wonderful. And then uh, with art by Carola Borelli, which is very cool. Going to be Awesome. This week, it was revealed that it's going to be an ongoing. So not just limited series, bing, bing, boom. It was very, More very Jessica cool.
1: Drew. More Jessica Drew. More Jessica Drew.
0: And also in Amazing Spider-Man number 31 out this week, we get a little tease of where that series is going. And it is, whew, it's an intense one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had heard about what's going on and I was like, y- y'all you are monsters. Uh, speaking,
1: see how that goes I mean but speaking of intense because I feel like that's just yeah. where we're going uh for the rest of the year in Marvel Comics into 2024 is intense and dark um we got some news on some Matt Murdock back in black and Daredevil black armor
0: yeah oh, yeah I'm ready yeah DG Chichester um long time comics writer had written a ton of really great uh Daredevil stuff which now is finally starting, if not fully, in Marvel Unlimited. There was a long time where um, that that run that D.G. Chichester wrote wasn't in there for whatever reason. So now I think we've been pulling those in. Um, so it's written by D.G. and drawn by Netho Diaz and J.P. Meyer. It's a four issue limited series, and it's it's like throwback to taking place during the um, that original run that D.G. Chichester did. So pretty cool, but. Like the the thing here is he's back in that black armor. I was a sucker for that armor as a kid. I was like, give me more of that. He looks so cool. Um yeah, there was the like the fall from Grace storyline in particular of, of that era was really cool. Really cool. Ooh, Angelique, the century returns this December. The century is back in all new limited series by our writer Jason Lowe, who we love, and artist Luigi Zagaria, who has done some great work on Midnight Suns. Uh, and this one is is different because Bob Reynolds, he's he, he gone. He dead. He's
1: wait. Do you were you about to say killed in action? I love the fact that you were like <laughs> <laughs> you're about to like put an acronym out there. Yeah, he 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 dead. Did
0: well. He's comic book dead, so who uh, knows? True, facts. But, <laughs> but the truth is right now, he dead, and so who will be the new century? Ooh, ordinary people all over the world suddenly manifesting his powers and experiencing snippets of Bob Reynolds' memories, but not everyone can be trusted with such responsibility. It's There's going to be violence and conflicts <laughs> and all this to control the century's legacy and powers and woo-wee.
1: Woo-wee.
0: Again, that's We-wee. December...
1: Is it that not? That's oh, thank you, Scrooge McDuck. I appreciate you for putting that out there. So, besides that, good sir, Lunella Lafayette, she back. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur: Wreck and Roll, written by Stephanie Williams, illustrated by Asia Simone. Oh, it's gonna be so much fun. Uh, It's gonna be on sale this April. Yo, it is an all-new original graphic novel starring Marvels. Most brilliant, the Lunella, the most brilliant moon girl, aka Lunella Lafayette, and her pet dinosaur. I, you know, I always like think of them more as partners yeah. than a pet dinosaur. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I feel like Lunella would be like, no, 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 we're like 50 50, we're equal in this, we're brains and brawn. Like, it just makes sense to me. Um, but I'm really excited because uh, I really love the Moon Girl uh, animated series. It's been um, on Disney and, you know, following that debut, Lunella, again, the smartest person in the Marvel Universe <laughs> Fight Me, Uh, against her own original graphic novel. Um, Obviously, she's going to be skating it up. Uh, It's going to be up to Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur to take to the streets and put a stop to their crime spree while making sure to bust a few sweet moves along the way because Stephanie Williams would have it no other way. Um, All of this is set on the backdrop of New York uh, in the Lower East Side. I'm so excited because I know... It's going to be funny. I know it's going to be gorgeous. Um, And, you know, they say it's for kids, but, you know, and? This doesn't mean I'm not going to read it.
0: That's right. Uh, It's interesting because it's the first original graphic novel tied to the and Devil Dinosaur TV series. It's not an adaptation. It's original. It's very cool. Um, I like it. Support that show. There are 90 pages of comics in, in this issue this week. It's got a giant main story with a wedding that, uh, I was thinking about this, the wedding surprise doesn't go super perfect.
1: What wedding in the Marvel universe has ever
0: gone super perfect? Exactly.
1: Wedding is just code for everything's going to explode. Yeah. Love is, love is hard, Ryan.
0: Love is hard. Uh, But this one is, this one is, it's a really great one. Um, Beautiful art by John Romita Jr. and main story by Zeb Wells. And that in and of itself is, that's like 40 pages of story, give or take, right? Then you go into a whole bunch of things because it's Amazing Spider-Man number 31, but it's also uh, Legacy numbering 925 and they wanted to blow it out and do a big thing. So there's, Another like 40-odd, 50 pages of story, little snippets here and there. So then we get Spider-Man and Ms. Marvel talking post her resurrection, post her joining the X-Men in a story by Zeb Wells and my dear friend David Lopez. And it is so good. It's like revelatory. It is sweet. It is sad. It is like Kamala getting more information about what happened to her why things do and like her yelling at spidey her freaking out her being like an awesome superhero that's a good bridge into the ms marvel the new mutant story then there's a little short about doc ock hanging out in the bar with no name and that leads us into the new superior spider-man stuff so it's a little prelude to all that business then we've got a story in here which really lets Mary Jane lean into her new superhero identity of jackpot, but it's also so excruciatingly sad in some ways.
1: Uh, Yeah.
0: And it's got black cat in it, but it leads us into what's going on with Mary Jane and the current cos- comics and what's going on with her. Um, then we get into the spider woman story. That's also set in the bar with no name. Everybody. I feel like the bar with no name is finally getting its its due. That leads us into the Spider-Woman number one series we've been talking about. Then we get another story written by Dan Slott with art by Paco Medina, uh, which leads us into the Spider-Boy series. And then we've got a really fun story about basically a civilian dude who just likes to be saved by superheroes, like that's his kink. And uh, it's called The Case of Perry Thomas, a Spidey Situation written and drawn by Albert Montes, And it was so fun. And then, Angelique, we get a Spider-Man two-pager with Spider-Man and a goose. Did you love that story?
1: I was about to say, I Mm -hmm. love everything about this book and your description has been amazing. (laughs) But I have been waiting for you to get to the point where you say, Spider-Man Lucy Goosey. I know because so it is perfect in its simplicity.
0: Yeah. And then <laughs> we get a uh, a story by Zeb and Patrick Gleason, which features Queen Goblin and Craven the Hunter. And they're having a party all night long to say the least. And then to wrap <laughs> up this giant issue, in Amazing Spider-Man number 31, there is a little, um, a, a little preview, sort of prelude for Spider-Man: Reign 2, by Carrie Andrews, and L- little, I, yeah. That, <laughs> the kingpin in here is huge. Oh, so I know. I know.
1: Huge. That's why I was like, "Little,
0: are you sure?" Yeah. I, don't, uh, I, don't. <laughs> the, I can't wait for this. Can't wait for this. That's that was all in one comic book. But we gotta get two more picks. Children of the vault, number one, which is Yes. Did like I was reading this, I was like, I can't wait for Angelique to read this because it's
1: it's just chaos, man. And that's what I love about Children of the Vault, is because like it's you just always knew it
0: was gonna be chaos. Yeah. But it's a cable and bishop team up book, and they hate each other. To me, it's like a little bit like Tango and Cash. Uh, one of my favorite 80s movies. Um, it's so good that like, they have to work together to deal with like this big problem. It's a blast. It's part of the Fall of X. The Children of the Vault are basically very evolved beings. And they have wanted to destroy mutants and humanity. And now they've got a new agenda. They're out of the vault uh, because of all the things that have been going on with mutants. And chaos ensues. And then Cable and Bishop are like... Two of the few mutants out and about doing stuff, and you follow their path. That's rad. Uh, Third of the three picks of the week, Ghost Rider Wolverine Weapons of Vengeance Alpha number one. It is a dirty, nasty horror book. It's a team up, a crossover, a little bit of business between Ghost Rider Johnny Blaze and Wolverine Logan, and it has got a little kid who turns people into spires of meat, and it is awful and gross.
1: Yeah, it sounds right up your alley. And Miss Minute variants that are popping up um, this week. Uh, So check those out. They're all actually quite adorable, even on the most monstrous of (laughs) stories. Yeah, Those are the comics this week. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Erica Schultz, which is coming up.
0: Hey, y'all. Of course, you are listening to This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos.
1: I'm Angelique. And see, we came back.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. We are here. We are joined very shortly by Erica Schultz, writer of tons of great comics. Um, We're going to talk to Erica about uh, a bunch of them, especially and including the upcoming What If Dark Moon Night" book, where she gets to create a a new character and play with some fun stuff. But uh, yeah. It's a good chat. Let's do it.
1: I'm literally so excited (laughs) um, because we have Erica Schultz on the show today.
2: Hi, Erica. Thank you. Hi. I'm like nervous and excited and bouncing up and down.
0: Yeah, we love that. Nervous energy, bouncing, (laughs) bouncing, bouncing. Uh, We got a lot of stuff to talk about. You've been doing some really fun comics for us, but we got to start With the eternal question, what is your Marvel origin story? How did you first become connected to, associated with, a fan of, just exposed to Marvel characters?
2: Um, It would probably be from my older brother. So he used to get pretty much X Men and Spider Man in the mid to late 80s, 90s. So, you know, Claremont Byrne, Austin, uh, Lee, and, uh, you know, definitely Michelini and McFarlane on Spidey. Um, and I just did what any self-respecting younger sister would do, which is break into his room and steal stuff.
1: <laughs> That's the rule of little sisters. Yeah. Like I have to give, and it's not, it doesn't matter if there is a brother or a sister yeah. that you have that is older than you, your job is to want to be like your older sibling. And so therefore you have to do recon and yes. research, yes. which requires you to go exactly and still said comics. Absolutely. Absolutely, a hundred percent. You have this like huge, even outside of Marvel, like big swath of work that you have done. Um, I'm I'm a workaholic.
2: That's that's what it basically comes down to.
1: You're, I mean, and you're good at what you do. Thank you. I mean, you and so for you, there's always a step where it goes from I'm a fan. I love comics. I love Marvel. I love telling these stories to my friends. And then suddenly, oh, this is what I do for a living. Um, And you've kind of been all over the industry since, you know, the 2010s. But for you, like, how did you get into this work? Like, what made you say, I can make a living? (laughs)
2: Um, Well, I started working at a studio at the end of 2008. And um, they were doing the Astonishing X-Men motion comic. Gifted, and I had been previously an art director at an ad agency, and I had known the studio. It was Continuity Studios, and I had known them because um, they were a vendor of our uh, of our agency. So when I got laid off um, and I was looking for work, they said, "You know, we we have this huge project. We need people who can do digital art, can do animation." So let's bring you on. Um, So I started doing the uh, Astonishing X-Men motion comic. And that was like my first Marvel work. Uh, But it was through the studio. So it's, you know, um, I don't really consider it my Marvel writing work because I wasn't doing any of the writing. We were just adapting the uh, Joss Whedon, uh, John Cassidy um, first uh, six issues of that story arc. And it was kind of one of these things where you kind of had to learn how to do a little bit of everything. So I was, you know, doing balloon placements. I was doing inking. I was doing digital backgrounds. I was doing physical inking on board uh, and things like that. Uh, one, I will say one of my favorite things would happen was I would come into the studio and there would just be a pile of comics boards on my desk <laughs> and it would have, and I would have to do, um, you know, fill in all the areas that were just solid black. And I would just like go and just look at this pile. And I'm like, you know what? This is a good day. I'm like filling in, you know, the sort of, I, I guess, ears horns of Wolverine or, you know, whatever it was. And I learned, I mean, I was there for almost almost eight years. I mean, it was like going to art school. So it was a huge education.
0: Before we go any further, I want to yes. clarify for anybody who doesn't know Continuity Studios is Neil Adams, one of the legends of, of comics. So you, you said you learned a lot, like, I can only fathom how much you were able to gleam from, from that experience. Thinking about all that work, the the time that you spent there, and then you know having you, you're doing that, you're working on on inking and lettering and all those things. What was it? Was there any specific thing, or was it just as a whole, all the different like pieces of of storytelling that you're absorbing, sort of pushes you into writing comics more focused?
2: Um, I basically, I mean, I'd o- I'd always written. When I was a kid, I majored in English in college and I had always wanted, I always liked telling stories. Um, and I had had notebooks filled with sort of nascent ideas about, uh, short stories, whether they were prose or poetical. And so I had, but I had never thought about even being a fan of comics. I had never thought about telling a story in this visual medium. And, I, when I was working in advertising, I was speaking in a, I was telling stories in a visual medium, you know, selling people Advil and Clearasil and things like that, but we were doing it visually with storyboards and such. So I started thinking about the idea that, you know, there's some stories that I have that maybe would work in a visual medium. And I, uh, started taking the stories and I started writing scripts. And the first book that I had done was a comic called M3 and one of the other artists at the studio, of uh, Vicente Alcazar, who was known for doing Moon Knight and Conan at Marvel and uh, doing Jonah Hex over at DC, uh, he was working at the studio. And I gave him one of my scripts and uh, he said, I love this idea. Let's let's do this. And then we ended up doing 12 issues over about three and a half, four years.
1: And I love the transition was just like, oh, you should you should just do this. <laughs> like, it's 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 no question like this is a natural transition. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go write something. And it's kind of now turned into an award-winning career for you. Um, I don't know where to start. Like, for me, there's obviously the work that you've done um, on Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number three, but also like, I'm kind of curious, is there a particular type of story you like to tell? Um, I,
2: in terms of genre, I really don't have a specific genre. I like, I like telling a story that has a good balance between character and plot. Um, I think that there are some stories that are like so character heavy that nothing really goes on aside from these like very sort of pensive internal moments. Um, and then there are stories where so much is going on that you really don't take a moment to see how the characters are feeling about it. They're just more like reacting to all these these external factors. Um and I, I like to try and have a balance in between. Like there's this great line in um in the movie High Fidelity where he talks about making a mixtape like you gotta start up here and then you gotta go higher and then you gotta bring things down a little bit. And like that's kind of how I think about writing, you know Like, you've got to, especially with superhero comics, you kind of have to start off with this sort of dramatic moment. And then you can, you know, play through some of that and then go to the quieter moments. Um, But I I try and find this good balance. Uh, I like telling stories about found family because that's something, you know, my friends are my family. You know, uh, I I always joke about people being my, you know, I have a brother and a sister, but I always joke about this much larger family that I have um, because my friends really are very close with me. And I think that that's something that is very relatable to a lot of people as well. So I like telling stories about that because I, I want the audience to be able to sort of catch on to something that they have in common with the protagonist to be able to then say, oh yeah, I want to see what they would do next to see if it would you know, line up with how I would react to that situation.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of what you talked about really really shines and and makes a lot of sense in having just read through um I think we just wrapped up Hollows Eve the the series that you you've done for us um thinking about the the, the family aspect especially as Janine and Ben are going through everything and and Janine's mission it's like there's a very clear idea of what she's doing and why she's doing it and how she does it. And then things just spiral out of control and the masks are everywhere. And she's got crazy people that she's dealing with. And she's finds some like cool allies and everything about that. But like thinking about Janine and who's been around for now, this is almost
2: four, I think
0: like almost 30 years, but yeah. only recently having a really cool turn as a, super villainy, superhero, anti-hero business as Hallow's Eve coming out of Dark Web. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got brought in to sort of really give a lot of life to Hollows Eve and, and what Janine's gone through out of this.
2: Um, it's it's really a boring answer. The boring answer <laughs> is Nick Lowe reached out to me about uh, a week before New York Comic Con. Like that Nick Lowe. That's that's the, the sure. boring answer of that. Um, yeah. I had been working with uh, the X team and Edgar Salazar and Carlos Lopez on the X-23 Deadly Regenesis. And um, just before New York Comic Con, Nick had reached out and said, you know, we have this character that we're going to be um, announcing in, uh, I think November was when, uh, Janine made the first uh, appearance as Hollow's Eve. And, um, it was, you know, we, we really want to, you know, break out with this character because then it's going to go into dark web and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay. So, you know, I kind of had to wrap my head around spider continuity, but then also this idea of like, okay, this character has been around for a long time, but really, we know so, so very little about her. I mean, we know her tragic backstory, which, let's be honest, so many women have this, you know, um, assault backstory, which is, you know, kind of frustrating, but I, I get it. I get why it's, it's such a, a, a used thing. It's because it's, you know, you, you have to sort of shorthand show that this person is broken, for lack of a better term. So I went and I and I read Lost Years and Clone Conspiracy and everything and you know Ben on his motorcycle
1: in Salt Lake City. Um, I like the way you gave it um, the affect.
2: <laughs> and you know Janine was working as a waitress in a di- diner, not a cocktail bar, but you know that thing. Um, and I appreciate
1: and, the fact that my brain also went there. Continue.
2: <laughs> this is why we love each other. Um, and and so and. You know, I, I, I saw the personality that they had given her, that J.M.D. Mateus and J.R.J.R. had given her, and it was, it was surface, but you could see that there was a lot more there. Um, and then I read what Zeb Wells was doing. Uh, I had read a bunch of the scripts that Zeb Wells had written um, to get more into her, and this idea of, like, Ben is her ride or die. No matter what has happened, she can always count on Ben. And, and that was something that I really needed to sort of latch on to. So, I mean, her whole mission is, I want to be able to get Ben and be anywhere but here. And we don't want to bother anybody and we don't want anybody bothering us. You know, if that means go to a secluded island or, you know, someplace where nobody knows us, that's that's perfect because we just want to be together. Um and and she has that singular focus. And if somebody's standing in her way, like a security guard just doing his job at a bank, um, she's going to go through him because her focus is: I want to be with Ben. I need to break him out, and we need to get somewhere where we can both be safe and be together.
1: Yeah, and I and I love that because there's still the superhero supervillain part of it all right like you know there were a lot of unanswered questions around her powers post dark web and how you know she would go forward right because you kind of talked about the fact that we didn't know a lot about her personally previously even though she had been occurring in the comics since the mid 90s so you're already fleshing out her character like in general and more of her backstory How did you kind of take the step forward to continuously now flesh her out as a super person? Um, And, like, talk a little bit about the nuances of her powers. Um, Because I feel like we still don't know everything.
2: Yeah, we, Nick and I had a very long conversation about the idea is, is Eve magical or are the masks magical? So if Eve is magical, then any mask should work. And I had this sort of quick scene of her breaking into a spirit Halloween. (laughs) Um, And, and so Nick was like, and, you know, just sort of gathering up these armfuls of masks. Um, And Nick was like, no, I think it's the masks that are magical. And I was like, okay, well then that, that takes us to another, uh, another side where will the masks work on other people? Um, but it's also, I mean, it's limbo magic, so it's chaos magic. So things are not always what they seem. Um, and we'll see in the, um, in the Halloween special that that's been announced that when Janine reaches into her bag to pull out a mask, sometimes the mask that comes out is not the first one that she's thinking of, um, so we're gonna we're gonna see some some cool stuff with that. I will say this: uh, I loved working with Julian Shaw on on ASM, um, on the uh, um, excuse me on the annual that just came out. But I will tell you that working with Michael Dowling has been fantastic because over these now six issues that we've worked together, we've sort of gotten a shorthand, um, and he draws a very handsome Ben who I have been swooning over this entire time. So
0: knowing that this is some character you're going to write is is great. Like having those, those things at your fingertips is wonderful, but like knowing that you're being able to tell a story with a character who's then going to be taken by someone like Michael and really freaking cool looking comics to your name. It's gotta be fun. It is. And you
2: know, one thing that, that is so important that everybody needs to remember about comics is this is a huge collaborative effort and a script is only as good as the, the artist that you are working with. And, you know, and I've said this a million times. It's like making good comics is like making a good sandwich. Like you've got a good story. You've got a good script. You've got a good artist. You've got good colorists. You've got good lettering. You've got good editing and just like everything works. You take a bite and you get a little bit of everything and everything works. I mean, this was a jackpot. You know, and and my whole thing is like, okay, you made it. So now you're never going to do anything ever again. Um, (laughs) It's like it's like, you know, you win the Oscar at age seven. Then what? You know, I think it was uh, uh, was Tatum O'Neill won the Oscar at age seven or something like that. So it's like, then what? Then what do you do?
1: I mean, it works out for some people. Haley Steinfeld is doing okay for herself. She wasn't seven. I think she was like 13.
2: Anna Paquin. Still doing pretty good.
1: So you know, I'm just saying there there are more things for you, Erica. This is really just about me wanting you to continue to shoot for more Oscars. Well,
2: I think that's why <laughs> I do why I do some of the editing and things like that is because I I, I try and flex a little different part of my brain, you know. Um, and I think it's always good to I think it's always good to know what everybody else is doing. Uh, I think if you're going to focus on writing, but you've done background art, you've done inking, you've done lettering, you've done all these other things, I think it makes you a better writer because now when I'm writing a script, I can visualize how much space those balloons are going to take up. Um, and I think that, that that helps extremely well when it comes to, you know, sometimes you really have to have these very like, ex, you know, um, expository scenes where you have somebody just like, you know word salad everywhere telling you what's going on because there's all this complicated stuff going on in the story um and i can sit there and be like okay this is how i would do this this is how i would letter it okay i need to cut some of this out or i need to move this to the next panel because you know the art is great and here i am destroying everything by just (laughs) word balloon on top of word balloon you know yeah
1: well, and I think it's interesting because that's a perspective um, that allows you to have a little bit more fun, right? Because you can write the mask and you can write the powers, you can write the fight scene, you can write that, but then you see it. And it's just like, I can only imagine going either that is more than I ever could have imagined or, oh, my God, you're in my head. And, I, you know, I'm kind of curious do you have a favorite mask? Um,
2: I do have do a favorite feel- mask. Oh, I do have a favorite mask. The favorite mask that I have is I really love the uh, the um, uh, mummy mask because it has spider similar properties where you can like throw out your wraps, mm-hmm. but it has it makes you have brittle bones. So it's it's, you know, it's got its, its little magical consequences too. But I do like the mummy masks, uh, the mummy mask, because it also like you can like basically th- whip up people, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and
1: would you say that she's wrapping it up? Sorry. I'm going to see. No, out.
2: I think. Me. Well, considering the fact <laughs> that it did happen in the fifth issue of the miniseries, which was the last issue of the miniseries, she did wrap it up. Yes, there you go.
0: There you go. Uh, yeah, there's the mask stuff is so fun. Is there, were you able to bring all your ideas for masks to life? Are you holding some out for future appearances? Are there some that Nick somehow was like, come on, Erica, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta hold it back a little bit.
2: I mean, there were some, I I had made like a list. I like, I do everything analog and, and write everything down in a notebook. And I had made this list and I was just thinking like, what would the powers be of these masks? Um, and i wanted to you know like a pirate mask which you end up with a peg leg and a a parrot you know or um
1: but does the parrot talk um, (laughs) the
2: parrot maybe it's the parrot that's actually magical i mean who knows um you know we i had had, uh, you know like a skeleton mask and she like throw bones at people (laughs) you know that kind of thing um Or, or like a dog mask? Is she? Does she turn into like you know? And I was like, no, that's too close to the werewolf, and you know. So it was this. It was a lot of back and forth. Um, The witch mask, I think, is is really interesting because it has a lot of potential. And I kept trying to use the witch mask, and Nick was like, stop using the witch mask. Okay, it's turning into like a thing. Like you've got to do a new mask. I'm like, okay, okay. I was like, oh, well, she could just, you know, s- use the witch mask and say a spell. And, you know, and he's like, yeah, you got to be a little more creative about that. I was like, all right, fine. All right. I'll do my job.
0: So our producer, Jasmine, and I were having the exact same thought, started to think about all the, the masks you haven't used. And I was like. Does she? Will she ever have superhero masks? Cause like then, like the possibilities therein of having like a Hulk and uh, or like what? You get a Galact. She's like, I have a Galactus mask. What does that mean? Yeah. So that's where our brains were going as you started talking about this. That the character is so much fun, Erica.
1: What Ryan doesn't want to say is that he hopes that one day there will be a Modok mask. That's what he's not saying. Oh my god.
0: That that sounds
2: uh, that sounds like a fun idea. I mean, we'll see where we take her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can't can't des- you know can't divulge everything, but uh, but there's a there's a lot of possibilities with her. Um, so the next time that we see Hallows Eve, we just had Hallows Eve in the ASM annual, and uh, we get to see her and Ben again, and uh, a little back and forth with uh, Spidey and uh, Maddie Pryor. If you're a fan of the Goblin Queen. And uh, there will also be a Halloween special coming out, um, I believe, the 25th of October, um, that, last, uh, that last Wednesday in October, where you can see Hallows Eve and some, uh, some new masks that she puts on.
1: You had some previous uh, short story work for the Eyes Are Nominated Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, number three. And now, you know, you've got a twisted little moon tale. And what if Dark Moon Knight, number one? So I gotta, I gotta, like, it's, it's not saying that you, you like dark stories, but um, I you think like a twist.
2: I, I do like a twist. I do like a twist. Um, I will say this, that uh, my dad drove a cab in New York City in the early 80s. So Jake Lockley has always been very near and dear to my heart. Um, and when David Lopez was gifted to me, uh, for this story, um, he drew such a handsome Jake that I was just still my heart. Um, I, you know, that story I thought was fun because it didn't get into the DID. It didn't get into, it didn't get into anything overly complicated. It was just, here's Jake, a very capable person who is just, in the wrong place at the wrong time, or maybe the right place at the right time. Um, but either way, uh, he was going to have a little fun. You know, he was going to have a little fun with them, and uh, and he did. And I even got to throw in Detective Flint uh, at the end. But in terms of work, I mean, I, I love Moon Knight. Moon Knight is one of my characters that has been on my bucket list for a really long time because he has, you know all the way back from the beginning from, you know, um, Werewolf by Night and, you know, then when he got his own series, um, I think that they've really played with the character a lot. And they've retconned him, they've gone back and forth. I mean, like Chuck Dixon and Sal Valudo had the Mark Specter moon Knight where they didn't really talk about the DID and, you know, it's been sort of all over the place. So I think that he has a lot of potential because he's been sort of malleable as a character. Um, and then in What If, we, you know, we got to play with this idea of, you know, what happens if Mark did lose against Bushman? You know, like, what happens if in, uh, it's actually Mark Spector, um, Moon Knight number three, well, Chuck Dixon and Sal um, what happens if that giant fight that they have ends up, you know, taking Mark's life. What would happen there? Who would take his place? Because there always has to be this type of avenging angel uh, in New York. Um, and whether that's Daredevil or, you know, somebody else, like who who's going to take that place? And we had a lot of fun. I got to work with Edgar Salazar again, uh, who was the artist on X-23. We had a lot of fun really bringing out this um, anguish like I mean ref the reference that I was putting in this book of like you know, moments from like Citizen Kane and you know and things like that I was I was I did a really deep dive on this one um but this character of luminary that we're gonna be showing is just she's really gonna take people by surprise and I'm, and I'm really excited for her to sort of see the light but.
0: Uh,
2: um, <laughs> well played
0: I, Luminary is So I, I finished the book and I was like "Man, where the hell have we had Luminary before because she felt like such a classic Marvel character like I, oh there, this must be a different interpretation of a character I just don't remember off the top of my head and I was like oh this is a fresh brand new character who feels she feels such a part of the Marvel universe in the one story that you guys tell I thought that was such a, a great way to introduce Something that could eventually pop up anywhere else, which was so cool. That, like, being able to play with and then create characters has just got to be super fun. Whether or not they're alternate universe or in mainline, it's like you're still bringing to life something very cool, which eventually would turn into a cosplay or maybe an action figure.
2: I, I'm waiting for the action figures.
1: I, I'm always excited and interested as to what the thought process is when you get to create a new character and what role you think this character is going to be able to fill. Is there anything that you can tell us without spoiling anything about Luminary? Um,
2: I can tell you that she does not work with Kanshu. Kanshu is kind of persona non grata in this particular uh, storyline um, because he is blamed for Mark's death. You know, I mean, he brought Mark back to life, and that's what created Moon Knight. And so many times, Mark has been hurt and been healed by Khonshu. Like, why didn't you heal him this time? Yeah. So, so Khonshu is like sort of relegated to the to the back seat, um, and another god comes and decides to. Um, maybe take advantage, maybe not, you know, because the gods are are always, and I think any pantheon you're talking about, I mean, there is no real altruistic god out there when you're you're thinking about it. I mean, they've all got their own little machinations uh, going on. Um, So when someone is in such deep emotional pain, they're so vulnerable, and they are basically willing to Agree to anything to help alleviate and assuage this guilt and pain that that, that they have inside of them, you know, fill that hole. So, yeah.
0: Um, thinking about what if for a second, as opposed to just the moon night of it all, I, I'm a big fan of what ifs are like my favorite thing. I'm very much of the same uh, time frame as you, Erica, uh, growing up. And those were books that I read a ton. And the what ifs that I always love hinge on like specific moments. What if this thing happened instead of this thing? And you mentioned, you know, Mark Specter, Moon Knight number three. And then what if something happened to like, what if Mark died there is sort of like that hinge moment. And they're also these, these dark issues are all so wonderfully brutal. And you get to just like two horrible bloody things with their, with uh, as creators. It's a lot of fun. Were you a fan of what if growing up? Um, if so, did you have any faves?
2: Um, I was, and it's funny because I, I loved the, you know, what if Jane Foster was Thor? Um, and then you have Jane Foster as, you know, the mighty Thor. And so I, I always thought that that was kind of funny when that became a thing because I was like, yeah, that was like a great, what if that everybody talked about 25 years ago, (laughs) you know, 20 years ago. Um, so that that was one of my favorites. I also there was an interesting one with um, it was the Fantastic Four and it was Namor and at the end Sue decides to stay in Atlantis because Namor has created this chamber that will turn her into a uh, into uh, an Atlantean basically. And she comes out of the chamber and she can't breathe. Of course she can't breathe because she's no longer in the water. But once she's in the water, uh, she sort of stays. And as the Fantastic Four is leaving, you know, Johnny's upset and frustrated because, you know, it's my sister. Why are we leaving her? And Reed just has this sort of like, well, she's made her choice kind of, you know, (laughs) moment. And it's like, wow, Reed, like way to fight for your lady. Okay, sure. Reed, the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Read is pretty bad.
0: Erica, we, we got a little bit of info on, on Gang War, but can you what can you tell us now? I know this is coming out in a couple months. What can you tell us about what uh, Daredevil is up to in the big Gang War story? Really quick on what Gang War is so people get
2: excited. Basically, Gang War is Spider-Man and Luke Cage are fed up with uh, New York City just deteriorating into these uh, uh, little factions of criminality. And uh, they have more or less divvied up Manhattan and the boroughs, and said, you know, this group feels like they're taking over this. We got to send a a, a group of uh, heroes out there. So everybody sort of picks their their spot on the map. And Elektra obviously gets Hell's Kitchen. The Daredevil gang war is. In co- in concert, in coordination, one of those words, um, with with what so, Saladin and Aaron are doing, I think is the in, word, cahoots? in cahoots. I yeah. think
1: is the is the um, formal, accurate terminology for that.
2: That works in cahoots. I thank Saladin very much for for having a very long arduous phone call with me where I was, I had like a whole list of questions for him. And I was just like, oh, well, what about this? And he's like, oh yeah, we could do that. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm taking up so much of your time. (laughs) Um, But basically, you know, it comes down to every one of these uh, heroes has their own little neighborhood that they have to defend because the, uh, the villains are just like, it's winner take all and, you know, no honor among thieves. And Luke Cage is still mayor at the time. So, We'll see what happens.
0: Very exciting. It's it's good. There's a classic gang war story and seeing how everybody updates it now is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Erica, this was a blast. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat with everybody. And uh, yeah, I
1: mean, long live Marvel. <laughs> Thanks, Erica. That was our chat with Erica Schultz. It was so much fun i actually i I could have talked to her for another hour
0: yeah that would have been a delight of course what if dark moon night number one comes out next wednesday august 16th get it at your local comic shop or wherever you get your digital comics
1: yeah and stay tuned for all the rest of her dope writings that are coming up um later in the year and early next year
0: All right, now it is time for This Week in Messages, our community section here on the show. Um, Next week, we are joined by Steph Ceretti, who is the visual effects supervisor for Marvel Studios' Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. I've talked to Steph a couple times. He's just freaking fantastic and did a lot of really great work on the film. Now, we're probably going to talk a lot about Rocket and Groot and stuff like that, but we were thinking, as our question of the week for next week, all right, so if you lived on Counter Earth, what kind of humanimal animal would you be? Uh, of course, the humanimal animal are the animal humanish hybrids that live on Counter Earth.
1: Brian, I need your answer and I need it now.
0: Uh, like a like a like a like a liger. I'll be a liger.
1: You would be a liger.
0: Yeah. You know, tiger the funny thing is, hybrid. no, you didn't
1: have to explain. It. I, knew exactly, I knew exactly, what I knew exactly what. Yeah, real. no, just, they exist. You know what? Then my answer is a unicorn.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> ligers are real, but you know what? With with the kind of engineering that can be done, maybe you could be a unicorn human animal.
1: Um, I just, you know, my first thing was like, can I get wings? Because like, this is my always thought: is like, if I'm gonna be hybrid, why not fly? For sure. Can I have wings? And so a unicorn seemed like the safe one. <laughs> Sky's the limit, though, y'all. Y'all tell us what you would do, because I feel like we are also going to be. Um, you know what? They don't have to. They can be a Liger.
0: You can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twimpodcast.marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Marvel. Please make sure to tell us it's OK to read Twim on the show so we can read it next week on the show
1: uh and now it is time for your answers from last week's question which was which three plus because we left it open for you heroes would be on your ideal avengers squad yeah yeah yeah
0: first up super seven five at super seven five said my ideal avengers team would be the wasp janet as the leader monica rambo moon knight franklin and valeria richards and she hulk because reasons, okay, just let me have this. You can have it. It's that's a really interesting, cool team. Wow.
1: I don't know. I was I was I I wasn't expecting Franklin and Valeria Richards. Wow. All right. Mel at X Chasing Clouds. My ideal Avengers team would be Iron Man Thor, Captain America, Hulk, Spider-Man, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Wasp, shang Chi, and the Filipina superheroine Wave Slash Pearl. Pagan as their newest recruit because she deserves more love and recognition yeah. wow that's a lineup hell
0: yeah also I love wave all right Jordan the witch at mutant savior 11 tweeted my dream team of Avengers is she Hulk leading rogue or black widow as her right hand invisible woman as their tactician Shuri could be the brains of the group and I also feel wasp could shine on this team that's a good team
1: so no man's sky unity at Big Bob is here 197. Um, my Avengers team would be Hulk to smash things up, Thor to slice up everything, Captain Marvel to light l- light up things and what's <laughs> a barbecue without ants? So there's Ant-Man and to tie everything together is Spider-Man. You know, sometimes you do have to get your insect themed. Uh, heroes there because they are mighty.
0: Yeah. Let's move on. Dolphin Pants at Dolphin Pants tweeted, my ideal Avenger squad would be She-Hulk, Scarlet Witch, Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, Spider-Woman, and Jessica Jones. I love Ooh. all the She-Hulk love in these answers. Yes. That is like the thing that is sort of like shining through. Hell yeah.
1: Um, That's a lot of power on that team though. Mm-hmm. Like, like like actual physical power. Yeah. Um between Jessica Jones and Seahawk well well played. Uh, we got a couple emails too, so we got an email from Michael Sarmento. Uh, Hi. I'm always looking forward to each this week in Marvel. Thank you. Uh, for me, I'd go with Captain America because of his awesome fighting skills, good leadership and because he's basically the moral compass of the team. Next, I'd get Iron Man because we need our favorite billionaire playboy philanthropist, but also he could give the team cool upgrades. And finally, we need Black Widow because every team needs a super spy. Who better than Natasha Romanoff? Sincerely, Michael Saramento. Well done. I'm, I'm, you know, he picked three. You understood the assignment. Yeah, I like it. Well balanced.
0: We got an email from Autumn. Autumn says, for the question of the week, here's my Avengers roster. It is a heavily 1980s-based team led by Henry Peter Gyrick with U.S. agent Reed Richards, Star Fox, Dr. Druid, and She-Hulk. All right. Look, I, I like that Autumn gets into this. Like, Wow. I, I'm a, Give
1: me the explanation, yeah. Autumn.
0: Gyrik has brought the team fully under government control, positioning himself as the leader of the Avengers. He keeps the team under a strict six-member limit. To Clint Barton's annoyance, he isn't selected. Uh yeah, so there's you got Gyrik who, oof, that's a that's a nasty one. Then a Mr. Fantastic. Gyrik makes sure to feed his ego enough to keep him loyal. He doesn't argue and Reed starts acting like the team leader, but he makes sure he remains in control. But th- then you got U.S. Agent as Guyrik's trained attack dog, Star Fox to keep things calm between everyone, Doctor Druid in his classic late '80s form, totally aloof, kind of pointless, but also, man, that, that was a that was a thing. And then She Hulk is our P.O.B. character,
1: very shady, very like, shady.
0: Um, and then like how she deals with everything. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting uh, crew. I
1: real well thought out. Uh, also, I just enjoy anything that says heavily 1980s Avengers. It's just, it's like, yep yep
0: yep correct (laughs) Uh, and then we got a an answer on facebook from joe hoffman joe says in answers to the question of the week some of the avengers who would be on my dream team are captain america steve rogers captain marvel carol danvers wolverine and ms marvel kamala khan as they are some of my favorite marvel characters and i think they would make the nucleus for an awesome assemblage of earth's mightiest heroes i love
1: it And as we mentioned earlier in the show, we have a Marvel Insider code for all of you. That's right. You can go to Marvel.com, go to Marvel Insider, and then you're going to type in that code, which is Spider-Gwen, in the This Week in Marvel activity. And you will be able to get some sweet, sweet points uh, this week
0: awesome thank you all for all those answers and thanks for listening all the way through to this point in the show because that's the end this episode of this week in marvel is produced by jasmine estrada isabel robertson ryan Panagos, and angelique roche
1: our senior manager audio production and development is brad barton
0: jill deboff is our director of audio and special thanks to everyone for willing she hulk to lead an avengers team i feel like with all the mental energy we've got here who knows i'm ryan
1: i'm angelique
0: this is marvel
1: your universe